0: This morning we looked at Jesus being condemned to death by way of crucifixion by Pontius Pilate. Immediately after this event, Pontius Pilate handed Jesus over to his soldiers who led him away. And early that Friday morning began Jesus' coronation what's probably best called a mock coronation. It's one of the most moving scenes in all of the Bible. Here, Jesus will suffer his final indignities and humiliation heaped on him by these Roman soldiers. Bloodthirsty, expert killers, professionals. And tonight we're just going to linger long on this small passage. We're going to stop and see the suffering that Jesus endured for us. I want us to meditate on two things. Perhaps one thing that will be come at the end, that the big thing, the first point is to meditate on the shame of his coronation. But the second thing I hope we'll see above, and above anything is the glory of his coronation. Now, one of the things that's lost on us, because we, we a, a, in one sense, we don't fully appreciate the, the, the first century world, and that is ancient coronations. And not just any kind of coronations for kings, but the coronation that would be given to someone like Caesar. However, Mark's original readers would have fully understood and fully appreciated all that happened when a Caesar was crowned. And uh, what I wanna do is just to help us to, to, to calibrate our minds to this event, is to just lay out before you what would happen when a Caesar was crowned king. Just four things. The history books tell us that at a Caesar's coronation, his soldiers would gather around him. You see, what made a Caesar great was the fact that he would conquer, the fact that he would save his empire, defend his empire. And so the first thing that would take place in his coronation is that his soldiers would fill his palace. Just look at verse 16. And the soldiers led Jesus away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. Second thing that would happen Caesar would be given a robe. Caesar would also be given a a scepter and then an olive, olive branch crown, all the while being acclaimed, Hail Caesar. Look at verse 17. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns They put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. Again, at the coronation of Caesar, the people would both praise him, and if there was any part of it that was special, they might even anoint him. Listen to this. And they were striking his head with a wreath and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. The final thing that would happen after the coronation ceremony in Caesar's palace is that there would be a royal procession through the streets of Rome. Well, if you look down at verse 20, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak and put on his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. So you see, there's all these striking similarities between the coronation of a Caesar and the coronation that we see here of Christ. Now, what we're going to see is, of course, that in Christ's coronation, it's mockery. It's ridicule. It's... We're going to see the savagery of these soldiers as they inflict pain. And, 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 and so we're going to see that the shame of Jesus' coronation. I just want to say, as, as we look at this, as the soldiers gathered in the palace headquarters around Jesus, we're told that the whole battalion was there. As 600 soldiers. And these weren't just any 600 soldiers, these were the best of the best. These were the soldiers who would be used to protect and defend Pilate. These soldiers were brought up to Jerusalem at Passover because if there was an uprising, it was their job to quell it. The best of the best. None of these soldiers would have been Jewish. In fact, all of these soldiers would have most likely been Gentile. They would have hated the Jews. Couldn't care less about the Jews. And so all that they're about to do, they're completely emotionally detached. Jesus is just another prisoner condemned to death who they are free to abuse as they please. Any ridicule they inflict upon him on behalf of Rome, would be accepted. And just to say, as Jesus is in the palace, the one thing we must not forget is that in verse 15, we were told he was scourged. That is, he was flogged. And so as Jesus is before these soldiers, his back is already lacerated. It's bleeding. It's wide open. His muscles Expose. He's just had his back lacerated with whips that had bone in it. And now he is before these soldiers to endure more ridicule. Now it's no accident that these soldiers decide to perform a mock coronation. What was the charge against Jesus? Treason. The religious leaders had said, he claims to be the king of the Jews. And so you can imagine that as the soldiers received Jesus, they knew they were going to have a lot of fun. This religious nut job thinks he's king. And so now they think, we're going to show him, if he thinks he's king, how we'll treat him. Let's look at what they do to him. And they clothed him in a purple cloak. Purple was, of course, the color that anybody of royalty would wear. But we mustn't miss that not only did they put this purple cloak on Jesus, most likely coming from a a soldier himself, his inner garment, they put this cloak on Jesus' back, that has been lacerated and exposed. This would only serve to inflict more pain. As it rested upon Jesus' exposed shoulders, Jesus no doubt would have felt the deep pain of the cloth rubbing against his wide open wounds. The first way they mock him is they clothe him in this robe. They dress him up as a little king. All of this is intended to humiliate him, but that's not enough. These expert soldiers then, no doubt, go to a thorn bush. And they come together with their thorns, and they twist them together into a crown. The thorns, no doubt long, nail-like, spike-like, razor-sharp, capable of... Penetrating and puncturing the soft skin of anyone's forehead, and they press it on Jesus' brow. And the third aspect of this mock coronation is they begin to salute him Hail, King. Of the Jews. He's got his purple robe. He's got his crown of thorns. Hail, King of the Jews. Now, it'd be one thing if it was a small group of soldiers, but imagine 600 soldiers shouting, Hail, King of the Jews. Hail, King of the Jews. This is torture. This is mental torture. And then we read, they were striking his head with a reed. We know from Matthew's account that Jesus was given a reed as a scepter, as Caesar would have. He put it in his right hand. But in this spore of mockery, they take the reed from his hand and they use it like a baseball bat and they start inflicting blows on Jesus, his head, that has a crown of thorns, meaning that the thorns are only being pushed deeper into his brow. This was like hammer blow to nails. And then... There's the fifth element of this mock coronation. They anoint him. And they anoint him with their spit. One after another, these men spit on Jesus. They pour out as much spit, saliva that they can manage, and they spit on his face the grossest of all insults. Normally a king would be anointed with oil. Normally a Caesar would receive praise and adoration, but all that comes from the lips of these men is their spit. It's their way of saying, we hate you, we reject you, we despise you, we love to make fun of you. Again, each soldier would wait their turn, and then to add real insult to injury, to, to in, insult to injury, we read that they kneel down in homage to him. They get down on their knees. They pretend he's on a throne. And they pay homage to him. You need to understand that the shame and the torment, the madness of this mockery, it's just a, it's just a tiny picture of what our sin inflicted on him. In fact, all that these men do, the, the, the depravity of these Roman soldiers, is actually an image of how wicked our hearts, is, our hearts are. You see, here's the picture. Here's King Jesus, the king of the world, the creator of these men, and he allows them to do it because this, from the Garden of Eden, is how humanity has treated God. You know, this afternoon, um, I, I picked up J.C. Dell's commentary on Mark. And if you've got it, you can go online, you can just type J.C. Dell in Mark. Well worth reading it. And, and what he says in this passage he says, there is a deep meaning in every jot and tittle of his sorrows. All were striking emblems of spiritual truths. And let us not forget as we dwell on the wondrous story that we and our sins were the cause of all these sufferings. So so, so as we watch on to this mock coronation, just understand you and I are responsible for this. Now, J.C. Ryle goes on and he, he summarizes how every single thing I've just highlighted there, those six elements of the mockery, acts as emblems of spiritual truth. Jesus wore a, a purple robe. Why? So that you and I might be robed in a robe of righteousness, says Ryle. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Why? Well, Genesis chapter 3, what happened after our first parents fell into sin? God cursed them, and he cursed the earth. And he said, from the earth will now come thorns and thistles. And they take the thorns, and they compose a crown, and they place it on Jesus' head. And what's it a picture of? What's it, a symbol of? Jesus is the one who will take in himself the curse of sin and death. Cursed is he who hangs in a tree, and there it is on his brow. This image of this crown of thorns is so that you and I might not be cursed, but be crowned with his love and his grace and his blessing. Here's Jesus and he's mocked and he's shamed and he's humiliated. Why? So that you and I can be loved, adorned, Treasured and cherished by the Father and the Son and the Spirit so that you and I might be acquitted and be viewed as holy and blameless in God's sight. Jesus was given this reed as a scepter. Why? So that you and I might know that one day we will reign with him. We will be kings and queens with him. That the scepter is a symbol of one's authority, it is a symbol of one's sovereignty. Here is Jesus with this reed as a picture of a scepter, but it points us to the reality that we will one day reign with him. Jesus was anointed. What does that point us to? We, his people, are indwell with his spirit, anointed as the deposit, as the guarantee of what is ours forevermore. He was beaten so that blows might never fall on us. You know when you step back from all this? As we prepare next week, next Sunday morning, to look at the death of Christ, his crucifixion, it's like Mark saying to us, I'm preparing you to see the wonder of your salvation. All of this is a picture of the great exchange that takes place at the cross. Our sin, our shame, our guilt, taken by Jesus, all that is King Jesus given to us. And so the question for you and I is, do we see the riches and treasures of our King? You know, in God's wise, in God's infinite providence, Jesus underwent this mock coronation. And we might think it's a coronation of shame. But in actual fact, it's a coronation of glory. You see, the thing that set a a Caesar apart was that he was being crowned in front of his soldiers because he was supposed to be mighty to save his empire. The problem with all Caesars is none of them ultimately could take care of all of their people and save them. But he's Jesus. Here he is suffering. Here he is bearing shame. Here he is saving his people. So his greatest moment of shame, in reality, is his greatest moment of glory. And next week we're going to see how his the cross is truly his throne. As he's high and lifted up. All hail the King, not out of duty, but out of delight. You know, as we we think of Jesus going through all of this, we we must ask ourselves this question, how ought we to respond? You know, it's easy for us as we, we, we stand a bit detached from this passage to see the evil in the soldiers, what they did to Jesus. You might never dream of spitting on him. But can I ask you this honest question? Do you ever experience the temptation of treating Jesus as less than the one that he truly is? Do you ever sin against him? It's like we spit against him after all that he's done for us. You know that the key word in this passage is a little word that appears in all of the gospel accounts again and again and it's the little word led Jesus was led by that menacing mob that night he was arrested Jesus was led into the Sanhedrin Jesus was led before Herod, Jesus was led before Pontius Pilate, Jesus was led by the soldiers, Jesus will be led to the cross But do you know who was leading him? Do you know what was leading him? The will of his father. And his love for you and me. Led because of love. I wonder, church, what leads us? As we respond to our king, does he lead us? Do we follow him? We should respond by submitting with humility and obedience to our king and we should follow him wherever he takes us. You know, this weekend, there's going to be so much fanfare. There's going to be thousands of people who will descend upon our city, if not millions, for this coronation. I don't think there'll be the, the worship for Charles and Camilla for some reason. But it would be a tragedy if... We get more excited about an event like this than being excited than what our King Jesus has done for us. You know, the only response to what we see in this passage is gratitude, is to bow our heads in worship. Here is the King of Kings who has defeated on our behalf our greatest enemy, sin death, and Satan. And what is he worthy of? All of our worship. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, our only response tonight is to come before you and acknowledge you as the King of kings, as the Lord of glory, and to want to crown you with many crowns. You're the Lamb upon the throne. We want to hail you as our matchless King, now and forevermore, knowing that you are the Lord of life who triumphed over the grave. You are the Lord of peace whose power a scepter sways. You are the Lord of love and we can see it in your hands and side. Those wounds yet visible above in beauty are glorified. And so we come this evening to hail you as our Redeemer, for you have died for me. You have died for everyone who's put your faith and trust in you, your people. And so we praise and we glory, we give glory to you this evening. All hail you, our matchless King. It's in your precious name that we pray this. Amen.